Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Hello, Calm Parents. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Today, I'm talking with author and leader in school reform, Dr. Megan Sweet. Dr. Sweet has almost 30 years of experience as a classroom teacher and school administrator, and for the past 15 years has been a leader in system-wide school reform. Her book is an education guide for using your three eyes. Megan is also the co-host of the education-based podcast, The Awakening Educator, which covers topics such as equity, trauma-informed approaches to instruction, school lunch programs, and more. Welcome, Megan. I am so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you today. Yeah, this is a really important topic. And I know today we want to dive into how to help our kids get back into school. Mm. And I know this has been really weighing on a lot of parents. Mm -hmm. Before we dive in, please tell us a little bit about you and what inspired you to get involved in school reform. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate that question. You know, I was inspired to do school reform really since I was a kid myself, if I'm being honest about it, in that um, I was a kid that just didn't learn well in school and I was constantly confused. So I'm, I'm not an auditory learner, which means I don't learn by hearing. In fact, it, I'll forget most of what we talked about about five minutes after we're done, like it just goes right through. Um, but so much of school, especially when I was a kid, is auditory. And so I spent a lot of time just being really lost and having some teachers that were fantastic and some that were pretty chaotic. Um, so I remember having a thought at around 10 that I wanted to become a teacher so I could create a space where kids could, like, like me, could learn and feel safe and comfortable. Um, and that's what I did. At 21, I started teaching. So, um, so for me, there's always been this sense of like the system doesn't always support all kids. Uh, and I definitely learned that right away when I became a teacher. The inequities that are that exist in our in our schools um, are very evident. Um, and and so I've been really trying to reform school ever since I got into it, even as a kid. <laughs> That's amazing, and it's so true because I, my daughter. Um, has been diagnosed with ADHD. So I know we've had a lot of struggles in terms of helping her survive in mm -hmm. the school system as it is. Mm -hmm. And I know this past year has been extremely difficult for a lot of kids. And yeah. now we're going and changing yet again, as some kids are going back into the classroom. We don't know how long if that is. So how can we help our kids? What is the best thing parents can do to really help our kids to, to thrive with all of these changing dynamics in school? Yeah, I think we need to start by managing our own stress level and anxiety and expectations on mm -hmm. kids. Um, so I think it's fairly natural, but um, and I am on the school board as well as all the other things that I've been doing. So I've been getting a lot of uh, feedback from parents that have a lot of anxiety about returning to school. And depending on the email, it goes the whole spectrum, right? There are parents that are anxious for us to get back in and worried about us, like hitting the ground running with academic recovery from last year. 
to other parents who are like, don't you dare reopen school and <laughs> we want to keep kids, right? So like, and there's just a lot of anxiety and fear for parents, yeah. uh, both the just the lives of their children, their actual health and physical well-being, as well as their academic success. So I think the first thing parents, um, I invite parents to do is to really look at what that is hap what's happening for them and work with their own anxiety, because we want to not put that on our kids as much as possible, um, because they're having their own experience. Kids are, are really having a different orientation to this than we are, mm -hmm. um, and we have a lot of adult expectations and societal expectations that frankly I think don't fit for this moment in time um so we need to be be able to adjust those a little yeah I, I think you know a few things there and, and one of the things I hear over and over and over again is the fear that they're behind right that they're academically behind and the pressures of oh my gosh what does that look like to catch up right how do we address that fear and is that right. fear, where does that fear come from? Yeah, I think that fear comes from, you know, the expectations we've created as a country around what mm -hmm. academic success looks like um, and what learning looks like. And actually, those are transforming anyway. So if I were to even separate it from the pandemic and maybe a little bit about how kids are in this day and age, you know, the youth that are coming through schools now are seeing that college comes with a lot of debt um, and that not you don't necessarily have to go to college to be successful. Like we've kind of gone back again. So I think kids these days have different understandings about college or what they want to do or they want to go and get, you know, career training is coming back again as a really popular choice. College yeah. certainly is too, but like the range for kids and what the internet and, you know, ways of communicating that I frankly am constantly like baffled with like I don't get TikTok or anything like I don't get it so <laughs> oh it's addictive don't get on it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I don't even know how to navigate it so like so for us like their world is so different and their orientation is so different that I think we keep kind of trying to put our own expectations on that which it, it's mm. are a little bit out of whack anyway so I'd say that is a starting point but um also Every single child across the world has had a different learning experience this last year. So, and if we just keep it to the United States, every single child in the United States has had a different learning experience over the last year. And so this idea of behind, we are collectively behind, like as a, as a country, we are behind, or we've all had this collective experience. And so the idea that kids are going to be able to come back to school and pick up right where they left off is a really unrealistic um, and it's an unneeded pressure since all of us are in that same boat. Like every one of us is there. So let's know that those, that, that the expectations of what we thought would be true just aren't going to be the same anymore because we didn't live a normal life over the last year and a half. Yeah. And, and I think the whole concept of behind, behind what? Exactly. Like behind some decisions that were made on where they should be at a certain age when all of us learn differently, learn at different mm -hmm. speeds. So behind what I think is the big question. So when you say, you know, we need to look at our own stress level when we're putting the pressure on our teens that they need to catch up when they already are like, ah, you know, right. that's just, that's going to freeze them rather than help and encourage and motivate them to Absolutely. work harder. Right. Yeah, I mean, these are artificial constructs around what what kids are supposed to be knowing and learning. And they're there to help to make sure that we are moving towards a common goal. So there's nothing wrong with having academic achievement levels or any of those things. But they're also inherently 
they're, they're man-made. <laughs> um, they're not equitable. They certainly don't reflect mm-hmm. um, the identities, cultures, or learning styles of a lot of our kids. Um, and, you know, they they don't match this time. So we just need to know that that's all true. We want to yeah. continue to have kids learn and grow. But I think having kids, like, understand themselves and develop their emotional intelligence or self-awareness of what's happening for them in this moment and what they need as learners and support them there is a way that parents can move forward, like help them connect in with how they're feeling. How are you feeling right now? How are you feeling about going back to school? You know, what are you processing? And, and, and that to me is much more important than catching up on a reading level. Um, that again, we kind of artificially created in the first place. I think part of the reason a lot of parents are so focused on those is it's easier to measure Mm-hmm. And it's easier to figure out what to do. Cause you're like, okay, Absolutely. I need to get you tutors. I can measure the success. We can go push and, you know, do this when it comes to the mental health and the supporting the emotional piece of it and, and processing that part, that's a lot more vague and scary and you can't measure it. So what can you tell parents And kind of what tools maybe can we use or teach our teens to help them become more resilient and deal with the ever-changing expectations and dynamics? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, and I'll just normalize that, you know, I too am watching my kids' academic growth so much as I can say, like, let it go. I also was like, looking into tutoring. So I just want to name, like, it's it's a real thing and it's a concern. Um, I think you know, to start with, we just, we need to develop that emotional intelligence. I think one place where we can do that is through something like mindfulness or, you know, any, anything that connects our heads back with our bodies again, and helps us start to become aware of what our inner landscape is, which seems like something obvious that maybe we all are aware of, but actually we're often not aware of all the thoughts and feelings and emotions that we're processing in any one moment. So learning to slow down and connect in with that, I think, can be really helpful. Um, So supporting our teens to check in on how they're feeling. Like, I think a lot of people are treating like the first day of school is the first day of school again. But actually, we've all, we're all different. Um, And so I think there's some anxiety for all of us as we return to school around I'm a different person. I'm not even sure how I'm different yet because I haven't actually yeah. been back in front of people for a long time, or maybe only just a few, but I haven't been in a school environment again, certainly not with my mask on all day or any of the other things that are going to be happening. So helping our kids to um, develop some curiosity. So not judgment, but just curiosity and awareness and starting to to talk about that and normalize that how we feel is going to be different this year, how we interact with things is going to be different this year. Um, I was in a meeting with the superintendent um, recently and he was saying, he was kind of asking permission from his staff to do this. And I thought it was a really beautiful and simple way of doing it that I would offer. We can, we can invite to our kids to do too, which is, he was like, I'm, I'm a different person than I was a year and a half ago, Mm -hmm. the last time we were in a space together. So he was talking to his staff and he gave an example that was kind of simple. He's like, but he's like, now I don't eat, I don't eat wheat anymore. And so he referenced this table full of like wonderful, beautiful pastries. And he's like, 
I'm not eating those anymore because I've changed some of my habits. And that thing that I used to do whenever I came into a meeting, which was to grab a pastry and sit down before a meeting, that's a shift I've made in myself that I don't do anymore. Hmm. And, um, and I've made about a hundred different shifts like that, both in terms of eating habits, but also in terms of how I see myself, what my priorities are, what my values are. And he opened, by doing that, he opened the door to his staff and they all kind of said the same thing. Like the, I need, they all referenced that they need space to be able to express and figure out what their different is. Like mm. I'm a different person now. I've navigated loss over the last year and a half. I've reconnected with different parts of myself that I didn't, you know, even know were there anymore. So I think the educators are aware that they're different and we just need to help our kids know that they're different also and that that's okay <clears throat> but then how do you, but then walking into that space, knowing that they're different and just having that permission to be like, yeah, you know what, before the pandemic, you know, when I would start the first day of school, here's how I felt inside. And now I'm feeling different inside this time yeah. around. Or, you know, before the pandemic, this is, these are the friends I have. And now I have different friends mm -hmm. or I have, this is how I approach school. And now I have this understanding, like all, so many of our self-concepts have changed over the last year and a half. Um, so just knowing that they're there and having permission to be different and to be able to set those expectations for others whenever possible. Yeah. I don't, I don't eat in the cafeteria anymore. That's not who I am. Whatever it is, it could be something fairly simple. Um, I think can help to open the door for our kids. That is so important because I think a lot of us adults are probably having more trouble than even our kids in adjusting because yep. we've been doing it this way mm -hmm. for so long. And I think we have it so crystallized in our head what it's supposed to look like yep. and what it's supposed to become. And I think it's very difficult for adults to even say, well, let me question that. Cause it just, it is what it is, right. Rather than going, where does this come from? And is this actually real? Mm -hmm. So when we're so set and this is the way it's supposed to be, and we put that pressure on our kids who are experiencing it very differently than we are. Um, I think a lot of conflict happens. Mm -hmm. So how do we adjust the way we're approaching to be able to really sit back and understand it from our teens perspective um I think even just naming that I think what you mm -hmm. just said it would be a beautiful way to start and just being really transparent with our kids about our own fears and feelings and and not knowing and asking questions of our kids how does this feel for you what are you expecting right now what are the concerns how can I support you I think I think you're right. Our kids, and I, and I think it's a modern thing, but I, a kids are very resilient. They also, um, they, they aren't as attached to a lot of the things that we're attached to because they're younger and they have different experiences. And frankly, I think being adaptable is one of the great skills that our kids are going to get out of this moment and learning to connect with themselves, and their needs in a different way or another, it's another skill that's going to come out of this moment because they've been forced to do it. And now it's going to become a little bit of their new normal. Yeah. So I think letting our kids lead the way, um, helping them to connect in, but also having permission to like, give them permission to know that their emotions could be a range of things. Um, and it could change moment to moment and really just being aware of, of that landscape is going to be a powerful shift and making it safe for our kids to share that I think is just, is really important. Mm 
again, without our own pressure. And as soon as we start to feel that pressure, or that desire to like push in, how can we pull back a little bit? Right. Yeah. And I, I hear from a lot of parents too, you know, this past year, they kind of have let up on a lot of things, right? They've let up on the amount of screen time they use. They let up on the amount of pressure they give their kids. They haven't been doing as much. Their kids have kind of, you know, not been as active. And now that we're getting back into school, they're asking, how do I get my kids back into that mode? How do I change the change the expectations again? And how do I get them motivated to get back into school? Mm-hmm. What do you have to say to that? You know, when you were describing that, what came up for me is um, figuring out what we're allergic to, you know, like when you're allergic to food, you, you know, a lot of us adults will then take away a lot of stuff. And then we'll, you know, we do it with our kids too. And then we slowly add things back again, right? Until we know, you know, until we find the thing that we're allergic to or that's causing us discomfort. And I would say that the same thing is true there. Um, I think it will be really jarring for our kids to go from this place where everything has been a lot softer, a lot fewer expectations to suddenly being like thrown back into their old lives. Again, our old lives, our old selves don't exist anymore. We are different people. So we can't treat it like we can just go back in again. So how do we start to slowly add back in? Um, you know, even just going to school all day. I mean, my kid went to camp this summer. He was exhausted. Like, he would come <laughs> home and sleep. And I was like, what is up? And then I was like, right. He hasn't been out interacting with other humans or just moving his body like that yeah. in a long time. It's going to take him some time just to like process the people. That's the people energy is a lot of energy to, for us to process. And then just like the physical energy. He needed to rest. He he couldn't, yeah. you know, I because I had started scheduling stuff from after camp. You know, I was just going to normal mode and he wasn't ready. Yeah. So how do we slowly introduce these things back again? Slowly just introduce like like it's enough just to be walking back into a school building. Let's let that be enough for a little while, reacclimating to our friends and our classmates. Then maybe we add back in and just find out what extracurriculars still fit. Uh, what parts of our of our students' lives still fit and what don't anymore and just you know almost treat it like a food allergy like okay that's not working for I you anymore that. let's move on because we wouldn't give our kids food that they don't like right or that are unhealthy for them or would cause make them be sick. We can also do that with these other parts of their lives. So how do we slowly introduce things back again and be okay with letting some of those things go and being aware when it's our own our own stuff, right? Like we really liked it that our kid was a great basketball star, but maybe that's not who they are anymore. Maybe that yes. part of themselves has gone away. How much is that our own ego and our own attachment versus yeah. our kids? Um, so it's that interplay, I think. Yeah, I think that's really, really important because this is actually a really great opportunity for us to slowly start back and go, what actually really matters? Because I think before all of this, we were going so fast. But a lot of times I don't think we actually had the time to sit back and go, why? Mm-hmm. Why are we doing all this? What is, what are we trying to do? And we were very focused on more, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Get them more, more, get them into more events, get them into more, you know, teach them more things, more of this and racing around. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe we start slowly adding what's really, really important mm-hmm. um, and what maybe we don't need to add back. 
Yeah. And what do we want to retain from this time? Um, mm -hmm. I think there's it, it, a lot of people treat this time like it was this painful thing that we endured, but there were, and a lot of people had an extremely painful time. So I don't want to um, say that it hasn't been difficult for some people, but there are probably some things that have also been really nurturing for a lot of families that they want to keep like game time or that connectivity. Yeah. Like we are more, I'm more connected to my kid than I was before because um, mm -hmm. we've just spent so much time together. So as we're adding back, what do we also retain? Um, what has worked for the last year and a half that we want to keep? I talk with educators about that a lot as well. I'm like, don't, don't throw out all those like electronic lesson plans or like the adaptability. Like, so I, I think schools hopefully will also retain some of the strengths that they gained over the last year and a half and not get rid of them. So that's my hope that we can also hold on to some of those things. It wasn't all bad. It wasn't all, um, something to be endured and then let go of, but like, how do we, yeah, what do we hold on to there too? So I'm curious when you say the schools, what do you, when you're re saying that, what are you referring to in terms of what the schools have improved upon during this time? Cause I think that's actually right there just triggered this thing. Like I don't hear that uh, angle very often. <laughs> yeah. I, people don't talk about it. I mean, it, so for the education profession, they changed every single way that they do their jobs. To, mm. to, doesn't matter what role you have. It changed in the last year and a half. Um, for teachers in particular, you know, teachers have been historically and not everybody, but historically fairly resistant to technology mm. um, or, you know, and I'm, I'm with them. So we're a paper pencil kind of, kind of crew. Right. Um, but suddenly have learned how to adapt the way we teach kids that um, can be done online very quickly. We have been much more creative in, in bringing um, different resources and different learning modalities into this space. We've learned to connect in a different way. So I'm hoping we can hold on to those, but also, yeah, we've created some flexibility. We've created some learning models that actually work really well for some kids. So some kids have been living their best life over the last year and a half. They have. So why would we want to, you know, and it's harder. I'm not saying it's a flip the switch thing. We can do it tomorrow. But like, I'm, I'm hopeful that as an education community, we look at what happened over the last year and a half and figure out how we can shift and change to, to be more flexible, be more adaptive to our kids and their needs. And um, the other thing that I'm really excited about that I think is going to happen across the country is an understanding of a lot of what we've been talking about today, but that social emotional learning and social emotional well-being for staff and students mm. isn't just like a nice to have thing, which is kind of how it used to be treated, but now it's like a must have. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm hoping that will be here to stay. That it's not just a, we got to get kids reentered into school, but it's been exciting for me to hear how much mental health and well-being are being prioritized. And that's, that should be a forever thing. That's been something that we've been trying to, a lot of us have been trying to get into schools for a long time. But I'm hoping now will become institutionalized. Yeah, amen to that. I mean, that's yeah. what I do every day, right? And it is. Right. It's so like, you know, <laughs> it's like hitting brick walls a lot of times trying to communicate that. And I think this past year has shown how critical it, it is. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm hoping that people um, hold on to that and go, okay, there's too. things we can do. Yeah. So before we go, um, how do people find you? Yeah, um, you named the Awakening Educator. That's a great spot if you're an educator kind of person. Um, we talk about lots of things that probably feel relevant. 
Um, that's the Awakening Educator podcast is anywhere where you listen to a podcast. Uh, if you want to connect more with me and, and learn about the Awakening Educator, my website's a good place to go. And that's Dr. Um, Dr. Um, Megan Sweet, M-E-G-A-N-S-W-E-E-T.com. Wonderful. And any parting words of encouragement for parents of teenagers? Love yourselves. Uh, give yourselves a lot of grace and space. Um, it's hard. Being a parent is really hard in this time. It's really difficult. So just give yourself a lot of space and, and take some moments for self-care. I love that. So important. Thank you, Megan. I'm so grateful you could join us today. Thank you. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. If you want to learn more about how to help your teens succeed, you can grab my free guide, Seven Secrets to Motivating Teens at AskDrCam.com slash Motivate Teens. Finally, if you enjoyed this episode and all the helpful strategies that Dr. Sweet shared with us, please take a quick moment to rate and review. This helps other parents like you find the show. I encourage you to share it with a friend as well. Until next time, have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, If you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.